great. Good to see you guys. So the team have got some of these. You need to have Acts 2, 42 to 47 in front of you tonight. You can do it on your phone. But if you haven't got a phone and you haven't got a physical Bible, where's my team? You should be out there now. Get round going, Elliot. Everyone needs one of these. Upstairs as well. Grab. You can have it on your phone. You can have it uh, in physical, either here or there. But in the meantime, who is the best superhero? Turn to your neighbour. There's only one right answer, by the way. Who is the best superhero? I will give you the definitive God-inspired answer in a moment. If you're on your own, you're going to need to speak to somebody various times tonight. Otherwise, it's going to be a really lonely, boring time. Get a bit closer to people. Great. So everyone's got this in front of them, either on your phone. Brilliant. Brilliant. So everyone, if you're able to, stand up. If you're able to, comfortable, stand up. Everyone's got it in front of them. It's this version we're using. If you haven't got the nearly infallible version, then, you know, sorry. So if you're able to, everyone got it? Are you ready? After three, we're going to read God's word. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I hope you know that God inspired these words through his presence, the Holy Spirit, when they were being written. So Luke, who you may know the name Luke, many of us know, Luke wrote one of the accounts of Jesus' life, one of the gospel accounts, and then he carried on, and Luke part two is called Acts. And uh, he wrote this inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now the same Holy Spirit, of course, God with us now, is here to inspire as we read God's word. So something different happens when you read God's word to any other thing that you can read. Okay, I know that's a big claim, but I'm making it. And I'd love to talk to you if you don't believe me about that. I'd love you to you know, come and talk, talk to me because one of the things about our faith is it has to be with, able to withstand any question, doesn't it? Has to be able to sort of cope with questions, even when we don't actually know the answer. But something different happens when you read God's word to any other word that you could read. Yeah? Because God is inspiring you to connect with it and, and to, to hear things that go beyond the actual letters on the piece of paper. Now, it might sound weird to a few people in the room, but if you think about it, if we're talking about God... It's not weird in the slightest, is it, that God is not restricted by the things that would restrict us. It, it's why it's so important, you know, that there's a force in this world that doesn't want you to read this stuff at all. That even now, some of you in your brain, there's a little voice going, it's rubbish. It's rubbish what he's saying. And if you're hearing that, that will tell you that what I'm saying is true. Because you wouldn't feel that if it wasn't true. Okay? Are you ready? So, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Just off the screen, please, a moment. Sorry, not on the screen. So look at the piece of paper or your phone or your Bible. And Holy Spirit, God with us now, are there any words here that you're just going to highlight? If you didn't bother to take a piece of paper, you're currently feeling a bit foolish. Good. Maybe it'll make you think about your life. Have a look. Holy Spirit, God with you, God with us now. Are there any words or phrases here that you, God, want to just highlight? People in the room have read this millions of times. People in the room have never read this. What do you notice? What does what God maybe say to you? Again, just turn to the person next to you or move if you need to and just say, tell the person beside you, do you notice anything? And you still need to answer the question, who's the best superhero as well? So just go for it. Just turn to the person Next, do you, what did you notice? Is there any word that stood out, even as it was being read? Great. Grab a, grab a seat. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. So, in the balcony. Oh, no, you sat in the balcony to be out of the way and for no one to look at you. In the balcony, someone proved that they're alive and breathing by shouting out something you noticed. You're not going to have to explain why. Promise you I won't tease you in that way. Just shout out something you noticed. Please, someone who's alive and save me now. Sincere, I like you a lot. Marion, give that £50 note to that young woman up there. <laughs> oh, did I not tell you that bit? Jem, you should have got a piece of paper, mate. So, on the right-hand side, anyone alive? Common. Thank you for noticing that about me. Okay, common, in common. In the, in the aisle here. Glad and sincere hearts. 
in this bit of the church here. Enjoyed the favour of all the people. Elliot, mate, what did you notice? Devoted. Good man, Elliot. You didn't score yesterday, did you? No. No. Yeah, you see? Come to church and prayed a bit more. You would have scored yesterday. Okay. Got beaten by Bolton, I think, didn't you? It's all right. Arsenal won. It's all okay. So, bless... Bless everyone who supports Cheltenham Town and Forest Green, even today. Over on this side of the church, something you noticed. Uh, towards the back, on this side of the church. Be alive. Josh, you're alive. You've got a beard. The giving. Okay. Right, let's have a time of ministry, shall we? That's the sermon. Now listen, I'm so serious about this. I'm really so serious about it. There is... There is, the Bible refers to him as the evil one, as, as Satan, as the enemy. There is a force of evil that is personal in this world that wants to stop you from hearing directly from God. That is the absolute truth. I've been doing this since I was 13. I'm on my way to 59 and I know that, you know, God wants you to hear his voice. He really wants you to know the truth about who you are. He wants you to know the truth about who he is. He wants you to know the answers to the, the questions that you have. I mean, my generation has all kinds of sets of questions. I, I don't know what exactly you guys would be bothered about, but whatever the question, you know, who you are, identity, what it means, you know, sexuality, gender, um, uh, careers, job, how, you know, how do you make sense of choices? What, you know, partners, how do you do relationships? You know, fundamentally, I was w with Nikki, my wife, um, today, and we were just taking the dog for a walk, and I was just thinking, as we saw some people walking around, I was just thinking, a world of people who've all got questions about significance and identity and wanting to make you know, sense of stuff, and I was thinking, I struggle enough, and I, I, and I know Jesus, and I love God, and I struggle enough to answer lots of those questions. I'm constantly weighing and challenged by questions. I, any Christian who doesn't tell you that truth... I, I don't think they're telling you the truth. We, we all have questions, but, but I have God to go to with them. I, I have faith that even if I don't know the answer, he does know the answer. Now, the correct answer to the question, of course, is on the screens now. It's Spider-Man is the best superhero by a long way. The reason is because Spider-Man, in my opinion and others, is the most real. He's, he's vulnerable. He hurts. He sacrifices. It costs him being Spider-Man. He lives a double life. He's desperate the whole time until this film. He's desperate the whole time to tell the people closest to him who he really is. He wants to know his identity. And yet he struggles. Superhero on the one side, but everyone can be a superhero, can't they? And little spite, you know, on the other. And he experiences pain and loss and suffering. And he, he, he experiences a fundamental tearing about who he is. If you come to my house, uh, not my house, my parents' house at Christmas, um, I'll send you an invite. You can all go. 
When you go, when you go into the lobby of, uh, of, our, of their house down in Devon and you walk into the first bit, you will see an amazing Christmas decoration. It's got um, uh, tinsel on it and it's got little bells on it. And my mum loves that decoration. She thinks it's the best decoration that she's ever got. Even though I have told her how that decoration comes to be in the possession of the Blythe household. It goes back to when I was 19. And I was really good at pretending, because I'm a vicar's kid, I was really good at pretending that I was all in with God. But I was kind of like Spider-Man. Um, I had a double life. And I worked out, and one of the expressions of the double life was I worked out that all I needed to do was to get to the end of midnight communion just before my dad had finished giving everyone the bread and the wine. And as long as I skunked in at the very end and joined the queue, he'd think I'd been there all along. <laughs> and so on the way from the pilot pub, sorry, pilot pub, I stole that decoration. I had already given out 500 tea bags. Yep, I announced there was a special draw. And when Christmas was announced, I shouted, open your tea bag now. You can imagine it was quite messy in the pilot pub. And I skidded in. And I skidded in. See, I was really happy. I'd been with my friends. I'd been normal Andrew. I'd been kind of Andrew who was, you know, kind of there. And then I'd still done the Christian show bit. I'd skidded in at the end and it was okay. I, I, went to, I went to uni, I was at uni, and I was really good at double life at, at uni. I was really good. I mean, you think Spider-Man is, is hot on this stuff, but I was great. Because I perfected the ability to basically, when I was at home in Eastbourne where we were living, with the youth group that I was part of and the sort of kind of older youth group, to really put on a great, great kind of great show of being a Christian. We used to go on Eastbourne Seafront. We used to go... Um, so, I'm quite old. It was called fishing. We used to have a service in the, in the church, Holy Trinity Eastbourne, in, in the evening. And it was favourite sort of hymns. And we used to go to the, we used to go and do drama out on the, out on the seafront. Silly sketches in which I pretended to be a chicken and stuff like that. And, and, and the idea was you were going to get people to come, to come to church. But at uni in London, I would have told you I was a Christian. And some people would have even possibly said, he says he's a Christian. But I was not living in any way a Christian life. Not in the remotest. Some of you know the story we've told it at students. Nikki wasn't a Christian, became a Christian, and God used her to give me a massive kick up a very, very soft part of my body. <laughs> and thank God he did. I was, I was numbed to realities. I was, I was inoculated. You know how vaccinations work? They give you just enough of the thing. I had, you know, kind of enough religion to put me off God. Anyone else feel like that sometimes? I was numbed to the truth. I was not like the early church. Because did you notice that, that uh, uh, they were devoted? Sorry, we'll skip to, to, to that um, slide, please, Nick where I've highlighted some of the words from the, from the reading. It's about 15 on down. I've gone off-piste. They were devoted. 
Now, that word devoted means they were steadfast, they were persistent, they were consistent in chasing the stuff of God. They, they loved God, but not in a kind of mm, trying you out, going out kind of way. They loved God in a covenant, committed, all-in kind of way. They were not like Andrew Blythe at 19, living a double life. They were devoted. They were like Nikki became when she fell in love with Jesus when she did an Alpha course. And I looked at her and I saw how hollow my existence was. I saw that my existence was not actually answering the questions that I had. I mean, I could tell you the answer. You've probably worked out I'm good with words. I could tell you the correct answer, but that's not the same as it being part of who, who I was. So my identity was just as much bound up in playing too much rugby and drinking far too much. My identity was bound up in, in being the class fool, in, in being able to entertain people. That was so much part of my identity, being popular, being affirmed. You know, loving it if people would say he's the life of the party. Loving it when people would say, ah, oh, Andy's here now. But it was hollow. It was hollow. It didn't really answer the questions about who I am. It didn't really answer the questions about what's the purpose of my, of my life. It didn't answer questions it just didn't answer questions. Are you here tonight and you don't want to be defined by your past? You want to be informed by your past, but you want to be set free for a completely new future. Is there anyone here who's like that? Is there anyone here who doesn't want to go through the motions, who doesn't want to do a kind of spidey, you know, split personality, double act thing? Is there anyone here who wants to know what the rest of your life can look like? Is there anyone here who doesn't want to wait until you're 58 or 59 or 60 or worse on your deathbed? Because by the way, no one on their deathbed ever says, I wish I'd spent more time at work. Is there anyone here who wants to live fully, live abundantly? Well, if you are, if that's you, then it's something about, look at those words on your piece of paper. It's something about being devoted. What were they devoted to? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which was what they had at that stage and what we've now got in our Bibles. They were devoted to the teaching about who Jesus is, who God is, and what he you know, intends for our lives. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to being connected in with each other. It's, it's why we do life groups. It's why we've got youth. It's why we've got the other things that we've got. Because you can't, can't do this on your own. This is a team thing. This is a family thing. This is a community thing. We need you as much as you need us. These first followers of Jesus, this is a short time after Jesus has gone to be in heaven after rising from the cross. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're reading this, you know, in their version. They're hearing and listening. We're reading, devouring it. They're devoted to community, to each other. Breaking of bread means that they not only did um, uh, meals around tables, they also did communion together. They had worship in, in their life. And to prayer... They really gave themselves to prayer because prayer is direct communication with God. 
It's directly speaking to God, and then God speaks back to us. And by the way, we're the ones that change, not him, when we pray. They were steadfast. They were devoted. They were saying, as I'm trying to say to you, do not put up with a sham. Do not put up with a husk. Do not put up with a a hollow kind of life. Go for it. Be devoted. If you want to know who you are, if you want to know the answers to those deeper questions, and then you can see it on the screen. Thanks, Nick. They were filled with awe at the wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. What that means is they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with God, with the power of God. The presence of God. People sometimes say no one's ever seen God. Untrue. Yes, they have. Jesus. People sometimes say you can't know that God is true. You can't feel the physical presence of God. Untrue. Yes, you can. Holy Spirit. God with us now. God on the inside. What was the result? Look at the next little bit I've highlighted. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. There, weren't, there wasn't anyone in need amongst them because they shared. There was a generosity of spirit. They weren't defined by stuff belonging to them. They were defined by the way that they shared. They did life together. They still worked, loads of them. They still had all kinds of differentials in the amount of wealth that they had, but they, they saw it as, as belonging to them all together, as it, everything comes from God. And so I'm giving back as I give to others. The word, some of you know, for um, all together, the fellowship is koinonia. And the word koinonia means a, a quality of togetherness. It also is the same root word in Greek for the word generous. They were together in generosity. This is a picture of a banquet. A banquet. We've been tracking through with meals that Jesus had and he's taken someone like Zacchaeus and, and lifted him up, him up by joining him at his table. We've, we've seen um, Mary and Martha, Mary at the feet of Jesus. Martha thinking she had to do stuff, but Jesus saying, no, come and be with me. We've seen um, people who were trying to trick Jesus be healed physically. But there's a healing that goes on at the table because the, the table is a place of intimacy. Even now today, isn't it? Who you let into your home, who you sit with at your table. Well, even more in the culture of Jesus. Here it is being lived out by the followers of Jesus. And then the other result was an outward result. So it's a result in the quality of their relationships. Praise God that some of my deepest friends are the ones I made when I was 19 and a complete prat. They stuck with me when I was not being, you know, worth being a friend with at all. Probably again because of Nikki, to be entirely honest with you. The impact outward. Look at the last bit. Last bit of just these short verses. So here you've got this radical community. I can't even do slides. Look, you've got this radical community devoted to those things. You want to know the answers to your questions. Be devoted to the same things as the people of God were just after Jesus rose from the dead. But they're public, aren't they? Because they go into the temple courts to worship. 
as well as worshipping in their own homes. It's both and. Again, why we have life groups, meeting in homes and all of that. They break bread in their homes. That's a kind of picture of communion, breaking bread, and they eat together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And look what happens. They enjoy the favour of all the people. People see this. It's why some of you are here, even though, even though it's random, even though we sing for far too long and then speak for far too long, and it's all of those kinds of things. You're here because you want something about this to be true. You, you, you know, you want what I'm saying and what this book says to be true. You want to feel that you belong and really know that you belong to people who will have your back forever. And when you... When that happens, when people see that, just like you, they want in. They want in. It's what happened with the early church. And then the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So it's God's work. It's God's work. But like a gardener can create the right sort of environment for growth to happen within we can create a community focused around Jesus that people want in with, and then he'll do the work. Do, by the way, if you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, notice it says those who were being saved. It doesn't say those who were allowed to become members of the club. It says saved. To be saved means that it has to be something to be saved from. Heaven and hell are realities. So these are people whose lives were heading away from God, heading in the direction of the stuff that I've got lots of t-shirts for, and it leads nowhere, leads to destruction. I think it leads to annihilation, how I understand hell, nothingness, the opposite of being with God, who is philosophically the ground of all being. Everything it means to be is with God, so the opposite is not being. And God saves us from this road and leads us in this direction. And by the way, you don't change and become perfect overnight. But hopefully you look back and you see a little bit of a trail. Hopefully I am slightly better now, at 59 nearly, than I was at 19. Yes, I'm getting a nod. Friends, we're coming into land in a series that we've been following through where we've seen Jesus having meals with people. And they're used throughout this amazing book by the gospel writers, the biographers of Jesus, as, as little scenes, opportunities to give his key teaching, to illustrate the message of God, the good news of God uh, in, in the actions as well as the words. You know, Jesus could have just spoken about radical inclusion. Jesus could have just spoken about radical forgiveness. Jesus could have just spoken about radical grace. Jesus could have just spoken about identity and about really knowing who you're made to be. He could have just said lots of words, but he didn't. He actually demonstrated it. He did it. He took the worst of enemies, a little Zacchaeus, tax collector, everyone hated, and he took him in and he sat with him and had a meal with him. And the guy's life was completely transformed. And boy, that's why there was some favour. Did you see what happened to Zacchaeus 
Well, even Zacchaeus, the worst of the worst, yeah, look at him. He's giving four times everything he's ever stolen to the poor. His life has completely transformed. It's like he's six foot tall. Bad dad joke. Jesus demonstrated, didn't just speak it. And I'm being passionate because I want you to know, I I want you to know this Jesus, to know this God. There's a little sort of apocryphal kind of tale, probably not true, but it illustrates a point from, from North America. And it's about the eagle, the bald eagle, you know, eagles that fly, you know, massively fly, you know, soaring, soaring eagle. Uh, and the, the egg falls out of the nest and it lands in the nest of a prairie chicken. Okay, prairie chicken stuck on the ground, never flies, eats dirt. Eagle, a bit like me, soars, flies, majestic. Okay, just sort of kind of think, Jay, Andrew, Okay. And the mummy prairie chicken, it's not a real story. Any zoologist in the house, forgive me, but go with it. You, you can tell what happens, can't you? You can anticipate. What happens is the mummy prairie chicken sits on the egg, hatches the egg. The eagle pops out, hatches, and it goes around on the ground forever just eating dirt. And one day it looks up and it sees some eagles flying around and it says to its mum, mum, what are they? And mum says, they're eagles, we're prairie chickens. We can't do that. And so the little eagle carries on pecking on the ground, doesn't try to fly, doesn't fulfill potential, isn't who has been created to be. Just turn to your neighbour and say, you're an eagle and not a chicken. Okay. So, you might want to put a hand actually on your heart and say, stop pretending to be Spider-Man as well. You might want to just put a hand on your heart and just say, just say your own name. Just say, stop, stop le- leading a double life. Stop pretending. I I speak to my heart and I just say, God, I don't want to pretend. I don't want to live a double life. I do want you. I, I want to have a full relationship with you. I don't want to be just Pecking around in the dirt, I want to be whatever it means to be able to fly, to soar, like wings, like the wings of an eagle. Scripture says that, doesn't it? And we're not pretending, God, that every one of us has to go through battles as well as blessings all of the time. We're not pretending that you are suddenly going to magic us out of this world. In fact, this prayer is probably going to take us deeper 
into more challenging territory. Because Holy Spirit, you don't want us to be numb to truth. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. I ask you to fill my heart and to bring alive in me all that you want, God. Bring alive in me all that you want. I ask you, Holy Spirit, because it's your work, your job, no one else's. I ask you to rise up in me desire and devotion for you, God. Rise up in me. Come on, please, God, now. I, I, I'm going to say to you, God, maybe there's some things I'm just quietly saying to you. I put my trust in whatever it is. I've let that person become too important. I've let that thing become too important. God, rise up in me. Holy Spirit, would you fill me with desire and devotion for you, God? I just want to ask if I may just ask Holy Spirit just to I, I, I think you might want to just show some people like almost like a first step um, a one thing just, just go with that especially if your brain is feeling overloaded just maybe ask God just to give you just one thing just want to um, just finally you can open your eyes the magic stop now um, oh so two things sorry if if you're if you came in tonight and you wouldn't have described yourself as a follower of Jesus you you kind of know about God know about Jesus but you might not have described yourself as a follower of Jesus then um, I'd love just to just say hello to you you know afterwards or one of the team would just love to say hello to you and just if you would like to find out a bit more about what it means, maybe you've even just prayed for the first time there. We'd, we'd love to give you, give you some books to read. Make sure you've got a Bible and a modern translation. We'd love to do that. So please grab me or grab anyone, Holly, um, etc. We'd love to do that. That, that. That's the first thing. The second thing is, um, it's pretty obvious that my generation has screwed quite a lot of stuff up. You know, it's pretty obvious there's not tons in my generation filling every church. We're a slightly unusual situation in the Trinity to have the blessing of the numbers that we have. So I don't, you know, please, God, the Annas and Simeons and the Olders amongst us, you are so, so valued, but I hope you'll know the heart behind this when I say, for those of you who are a little bit younger, you count yourself in or out. You need to change the world. You need to change the world. Um, because what we've got now is just, is just rubbish, isn't it, in so many ways. You know, there's, there's beauty and there's wonder and there's the things of God. 
but you need to change the world and you need to change churches. You need to bring life, new life. I mean, hopefully a few of us in this place do believe in a bit of life. Um, but we need you. We need you. There's some people visiting from other churches. You know, don't take no for an answer. <laughs> go, and, go and pray your churches into devotion to, to God. And if you're a member of this church, then please would you get stuck in? You know, please would you join life groups, do stuff, change, change the world. Become deeply radical beyond anything that I could imagine. You know, the, the job of any leader, any parent, any older person is that you rise up people to start from where you've got to so that they are going further. Yeah, the job is not to kind of, oh, come and get up to where I've got to. That's failure. Okay, now that's strong for any older folk in the, in the room. This is our job. This is our jobs to, you know, get the new generations, get our kids, if we're, you know, spiritual kids, physical kids, to, to go on and push on. That, you know, whenever, wherever I get to on my last day, that's where I so pray that my two daughters and others that I have, that's where they'll just start. Now, it isn't going to happen with people like me kind of making it happen. I mean, yeah, I have responsibilities and Holly and others in the, in the you know, we have responsibilities, Tim, Hills, etc. But it, it happens when you get stuck in. So, you know, thank you for you guys who are doing this thing on neurodiversity. It's, it's a 15% plus of the population. We as a church have not served well. You know, but we don't serve, we don't serve people well in so many other arenas. We need you. We need you. Please, get stuck in. We've got a number of life groups that have some younger people in them and others as well that would welcome all ages. Get stuck in. Change the world. Change the world, please.